everybody, this is Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. The goal of this podcast is to cover a vast variety of topics regarding mental health, struggles, share people's stories, and hopefully remind you that you're not alone. I hope you enjoy. Okay, well, let's get started. So I want to start with a similar simple introduction. So who the heck is John Furness? Your name has been everywhere. You've been on ABC, been on CBS, you are all over social media. So just a quick introduction. Who is John? Well, I am known as the Blind Woodsman for the last six years or so. Um, And the reason anybody knows anything about me is because of my wife, my wonderful wife and teammate, Annie. I, I don't know anything about social media, really. Like, I, I am more or less computer illiterate outside of my smartphone. And so uh, we make an excellent team because she, she's a social media whiz. And we help each other in many other ways, too. So we, we make a great team. But uh, so I'm a, a 100% blind professional woodworker. Uh, I do mainly uh, uh, wood turnings and uh, like lathe work, bowls, cups, canisters, things like that. Um, I live in the Pacific Northwest. In my opinion, it's magical up here. I absolutely love it. I love it so much. That is awesome. Also, I have to agree, Annie. Um, yeah, Annie's your better half, I'd have to say. No, I'm just kidding. No, I agree She's- with you. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. She, she is amazing though. She keeps your social media up to par. She was the one I've been emailing and talking back and forth with, which as a professional, you know, doing podcasts, it is so nice to have somebody that's prompt and um, reliable. And she was nothing short of that. So Annie, I know you're sitting close by. Thank you for doing that. I hate that you weren't able to join us. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. We, I really, uh, like I said, I didn't have a Facebook account or anything like that until Andy and I met. Um, I just really, when I lived in Utah, I didn't really know anybody. I didn't really hang out with anybody. And so Facebook just didn't really have any use for me. Um, and then when I came up here, I, I didn't realize what kind of a world I was missing out on, honestly. Um, and when uh, Annie and I got together, she has, I mean, like I said, she's a social media whiz. She's been responsible for organizing so many events, I can't even tell you. And uh, so I, I, she kind of got me involved in that. And that uh, definitely, that helped immensely. Like at the time, we, uh, I had moved up here so that I could attend a school for the blind uh, learning how to tune and repair pianos. Oh, wow. And so, and that's where we met was at the school because, um, so she's a painter and she had, was volunteering to paint a piano for a fundraiser that they did every year. And she happened to be painting that same piano, that piano in the same workroom that I was repairing a different piano. And of wow. course I walk in and, like an iron bar to a magnet, my hand goes in the wet paint. And <laughs> luckily, I, luckily, I didn't, uh, as I like to put it, poke out Mona Lisa's eye or anything like that. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Yeah, so, so I love it that art brought us together. Like, literally, without art, Annie and I would have never met. That is amazing. And I love, um, you know, she's posted more of her art per your encouragement. I've been mm-hmm. reading and I love it. It's just so cool. She adds a little bit of something to your art and it's yeah. just your relationship is what they call goals. I, I hope <laughs> I'll find somebody that's as amazing as your other half. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to You're Not Alone with Townsend. If you're enjoying these live streams and podcasts and want to see them continue, head over to patreon.com slash townsendtmusic. Your support means that the research and time and effort that goes into each one of these episodes can continue, and we can reach out to more guests and do more awesome things in 2022. All right, back to the conversation. Um, But let's hop in. So Mm -hmm. you started telling your story. Um, A lot of people wanted to know, which you kind of started answering, saying no, but were you born without your eyesight, and what happened? Okay, so uh, it, it gets just 
kind of a trigger warning for your your audience. It gets a little, you know, intense. I uh, so I've been, you know, I grew up having lots and lots of anxiety and just kind of feeling out of place. And when I was 16, it all kind of came to a head and I attempted suicide. And I, uh, luckily I, I only lost my sense of sight and smell and, and my mind was left totally intact and I didn't have any brain damage. And I, I feel, I mean, immensely blessed by that. I, I honestly, over the years, because of how I've been able to adapt and how I've been able to help other people with my story that I'm supposed to be blind to be who I am. To, to be the person I'm supposed to be. Wow. So I, and I, like, for instance, I, uh, I changed the rear wheel bearings in my old car by myself a month after I got out of the hospital, just from, me wow. from memory, from helping my dad. Uh, I can just, it's like I have a computer design program in my mind. I just, I see it right in front of me. Like I actually have a condition called Charles Bonnet syndrome which is uh, very common amongst people that have had vision and become blind. And what it is, is uh, it's visual hallucinations. And it's not, it's not very well understood, but it's not due to any malfunction or damage to the brain or anything like that. They think maybe it's the visual cortex's way of keeping itself busy, so to speak. And wow. with a lot of people, it's very, uh, it's very disturbing. I mean, some people think they're going crazy and, and, and some people it's very distracting or it's disturbing images. And I'm one of a very small percentage that not only is it not like detrimental to me, I've been able to use it to my benefit. And I, I see colors and shapes and I've been able to kind of make that uh, the background. And then I can imagine anything I want over the top of that. And like, like a computer design program in my mind. Wow, that is, that is amazing. It's, that is so cool. I, I've heard rumors that if you lose one sense, your other senses kind of escalate a little mm -hmm. bit. Do you feel like that's true? I, I think so. I mean, it, I'm kind of divided on the that to tell the truth. Like, is it more that I'm just using it more and concentrating on it more or did it actually get better? And I've, I've read studies that have made me think both and neither at the same time uh, because they, they've said that, uh, uh, that your other senses will root into your visual cortex to kind of use it as extra. But the things that I've been seeing about Charles Bonnet syndrome seems to uh, say the opposite. Uh, so it's hard to say, you know what I mean? But I would definitely say that I noticed a, a, a more of a keenness, whether it was because I was concentrating on it more or otherwise, I did notice a bit more. Like, for instance, I, I've never been able to read Braille very well because I've had calluses on my fingers from doing, you know, just a, a bunch of different mechanical stuff and that kind of thing growing up. Yeah. And uh, when I first started reading Braille, I could hardly even feel it at all. But after a little while, my fingers did become a little more sensitized to it. But even still, I've never been able to read Braille at anything you would call a functional level. Like I could read a sign for, you know, a restroom or something like that. But give me a Braille menu at a restaurant. No, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah it's throwing a dart in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially now that I've been a woodworker for so many years, the calluses on my fingers are are very thick and, you know, there's no way I, I still know the characters. I mean, I could practically teach someone else Braille, but give me a sheet of it and I won't be able to read it to you. That is crazy. You know, that has never crossed my mind because I've not experienced it myself, but I wouldn't be able to read it because with music, your oh, calluses are so thick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I would never be able to read Braille. Yeah, probably not. I, I, and I, uh, I have to feel the, the turning as it's going. Like you're really not supposed to put your hand on the wood as you're, as the machine is on, but it changes so fast that 
if I didn't do that, it would look like some blind guy made it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that also uh, takes my fingerprints off and leaves me with some pretty heavy calluses. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And some major, um, I imagine you get some splinters. Every now and then I do get a, a splinter power slammed into my finger, but... <laughs> I, I've had some as big as a toothpick off of a board before. Oh my gosh, that makes me hurt thinking about it. That's so one thing I love your videos. I've been watching your journey for a while. Like I said, just so honored. I, I reached out thinking I'm never going to hear back. And Annie emailed back almost immediately. And I was like, no way. I have been showing y'all's art off since I started following you. And if you don't follow John, please go follow the woodwork that you do. I couldn't do that if you paid me a million dollars and I have my eyeballs, my hands, everything is functioning. And I couldn't do that literally if my life depended on it. Well, thank you very much. It is, yeah, like you put designs in it. My favorite are when you do like the checkered bowls. Mm -hmm. Like how, that just, I'm totally blown away. I've watched probably a million of the videos of you putting it all together and you show every step. And at the end, I'm still like, yeah, no, I got to watch that again. Cause I don't, I quite literally cannot process how this is happening. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's just so cool. I'm, I'm sure. Okay, wait, I'll get it. Okay. The, the, the fancy bowl. Okay, I'll get it. I, I've Ooh, got, yes. I want to show you it. This one took me a full week. It was 80 individual pieces of wood. Oh my and, uh, gosh. Okay, I'm so excited right it's, now. It's something else. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay. Oh my gosh. So this is... That is amazing. This is made of paduke and soft maple. The paduke is the, the red wood. Okay. And uh, I took, uh, wow. I made eight panels of You're 10 pieces. The left. Okay. There you go. I made eight panels of 10 pieces each and then uh, cut them into perfect octagons and then stacked them one eighth of a turn off from the layer below it all the way around. Oh then, my God. Yeah. So that, that took, uh, like I said, about a week. That is, that gives me goosebumps. Like I, I'm an artist, so I can appreciate art and the time put into it. But like, it's really weird when I see your bowls, especially like when Annie puts her touches on it, I have this really weird sense. Like I just want to rub it and like soak in the smell of the wood mm -hmm. and the smoothness and just like all the art that goes into it. Is that weird? Do you, you know what I mean? That was something that whenever we would do like art shows and, and holiday sales and stuff like that, we would encourage people to pick up my pieces and, and check them out, you know, feel them just, you know, cause that's the way I experience it. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that bowl is amazing. I'm going to have to take a loan out so I can buy something <laughs> like that. Cause I imagine all the time spent on it, it's pretty pricey, but yeah. man, that, that is just so, so cool. Um, okay. So diving back into yeah. getting serious during, so when you were 16 and younger than that, you were going through a hard time. What do you feel like helped you the most during the moments of recovery? So you attempted, you know, to take your own life, weren't successful. I imagine in the beginning of that, it was not very pretty yeah. mentally for you. So what helped you? Every little success and, and trying to focus on every little success, doesn't matter how small, it's like, you know, it's like building a tower. You, you know, you, you use different size blocks, you know, I, I, but you, you stack it up. Sorry, we live close to a firehouse, so there's sirens. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. I live out in the woods, so if you hear dogs barking, that's like my ambulance is gone <laughs> yeah, by. Yeah, this, this is fairly, we live on a major street and near a firehouse, and so it, <laughs> this is a very common <laughs> well, At least area. you know you're safe, yeah. If your house catches fire, you are good. They're right there. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so just kind of adding in all your successes and being like, okay, that went well. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. You, you okay. have to kind of, you build on every little success and, and I, I don't know, like there's, there's, uh, 
it's weird the way that we'll get through some things sometimes. Like I was in denial for a long time about being blind. And, and it sounds really strange. I mean, how can you be in denial when you're about being blind when you're totally blind? But it was like I was avoiding facing it. And so I, I, uh, I used drugs, which was a horrible, you know, the worst thing I could have done. And also uh, something else. I love humor. And humor is one of the most wonderful things in the world, but it's also really easy to hide behind humor. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I did. And, and I don't know. I mean, it, and it, it brought me through some of the hard times too. So it had its uses, but at the same time, you can't hide from something always. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so for the next few years, I, I kind of, went between sober and using and uh when i graduated high school i moved we we were living in salt lake city so i i grew up in a little town in colorado we moved to uh, a little town in wyoming and that's where i attempted suicide and then we moved from there to salt lake city and uh, that's when i was going my senior year of high school so when i graduated I decided I was going to sow my wild oats and I went back to the little town I grew up in because, you know, I mean, it, it was familiar. It's a just a little place. I was able to walk everywhere. I knew people and it was the worst decision I ever made. I mean, I just oh, got into, no. got really heavily involved in drugs. I ended up getting in, getting in trouble, getting put on probation. Uh, I, I ended up, I was, you know, most of my money was going to my habit. And so I was living in, in some pretty like seedy boarding houses. And uh, I ended up getting a sinus infection that because of uh, the damage that was done to my sinuses, uh, how I became blind, um, it, it was a, a horrible, horrible infection. It was really dangerous to, it may have gotten to my brain. And so I had to have some major surgeries. Um, oh. and, uh, the first, they sent me to a hospital in Denver and I was really lucky to make it out of that place alive and not with many other things wrong with me. And, uh, the infection recurred and I went to a better hospital after that one and they got me all figured out. But it, but I mean, like I have a prosthetic forehead, my all the way from a hairline to eyebrows, temple to temple is a, a carbon fiber prosthetic plate because Whoa. the infection had gotten into the bone. And they literally told me they don't really know why I was even alive or, or let alone without horrible brain damage. They said any other time they'd seen somebody in that condition, they were, it was like permanent total brain damage. And they said the wow. only reason they can think of that uh, that would have protected it is the scar tissue from when I attempted suicide. That is the craziest story I've ever yeah, heard. It, it was it was it was a another you know wake up moment. It was another like you know you're you are lucky and you better take this as a sign. And yeah. and. Uh, I reached out to my parents and they, they'd always been there. You know what I mean? I, it was more me not wanting to reach out to them. And so of course they took me in and helped me get off drugs and, and get off probation and stuff. And, uh, round about that time was when I, I, you know, kind of started to clean up my life and I decided I wanted to maybe try and uh, get a job. So I started working with vocational rehab in Salt Lake City. And part of their program was, uh, call it an independent living training center. They wanted to make sure that their clients who were mainly like young people transitioning from home to on their own or uh, people that adults that were newly blind. Uh, so they wanted to make sure that their clients were would be prepared to be out on their own. And one of the classes there was a wood shop. And I, of course, at first I thought they were kind of crazy, but I've always been, a, so I was on board. 
Yes. And you thought it was part of that humor. Yeah. Uh, we're going to put a lot of blind people in here with a lot of dangerous tools. Yeah. And we're going to turn the light out and see who survives. Exactly. Exactly. You know, give a couple of them a blowtorch and throw some sod. So I, I, the, and walking into that wood shop changed my life. I mean, I found something that I'm better at woodworking than anything else I've ever tried. And it really like, I found a direction for my life to go, even though I didn't know that was where I was going to end up at the time, because I, uh, you know, I was, I was loving it. I was working there at the school and meanwhile, vocational rehab is trying to find me a job. However, I really don't have computer skills, never been good with computers and I just really probably never will be. And the, the speech software on desktops is really, really clunky and hard to kind of master. And I'm, but I'm really good with my hands. I, you know, I can repair small engines. I work on cars, I build stuff and, and I bake and all those kind of things. However, those kinds of jobs are inherently dangerous. So, you know, I couldn't, people wouldn't hire me. And not to mention, I'm blind and I've got a criminal past and just no job history to really speak of. So finding employment was practically impossible. Um, wow. So, it, but the, uh, the woodshop teacher, he was retiring uh, basically around about the time I was realizing vocational rehab was kind of dead end for me. So he had invited me to come over and work with him in his wood shop. So for the next few years, I just, we would hang out and woodwork. I made a couple of lamps. I made a table that I like to call the crown jewel of my career. It's, yeah. it's quite the, I, I love it. I, I helped him uh, build a wood shop, a 16 by 20 foot from the ground up, up boards on the ground to the shingles on the roof and everything in between. Wow. And he's also blind, not total like me, but mostly. Wow. That sounds so, that sounds so dangerous. It makes me nervous hearing the story. Like imagine I call a construction company. I'm like, yeah, I need this shop built and they send me two blind men. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh. Like, I, the one thing I always tell people is I'm the last one that wants me to get hurt. <laughs> true yeah yeah absolutely i just i've said this a million times i'm gonna say it a million more i am so intrigued by the fact that you can do all this like it blows my mind people watching can't do it and they have like I said all their limbs are functioning all their senses are functioning um how long after you lost your eyesight did you meet annie well, that wasn't until I moved up here in, uh, I, I moved up here in 2011 and I met Annie in 2012. Um, oh and so we, I, 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 the reason I actually came up here to the school was uh, my friend is the, the woodshop teacher, Chris Hathaway, he was the one. And he, uh, his father-in-law who was also blind came up here to the school in the 1960s. And it had been open since 1939 and unfortunately closed in what was it 2016 like yeah it was 2016 and uh uh which was unfortunate but at the same time like it reflects the uh, evolving job market for blind people and sure. and the the decline of acoustic pianos which really when it comes down to it are kind of a pain in the butt <laughs> Absolutely. If you've never moved one, you'll never uh, want to get I have moved more than my share. And I and I was trained on how to do it properly. Like I the way I knew how to do it was the easiest way to do it and it still ain't easy. <laughs> the easiest way to do it's to take a match to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh there is there was a couple of times during the schooling that they have you like take apart a whole piano like demolish an old piano because you you figure out how it's put together and let me tell you it is fun to take a sledgehammer that old piano <laughs> yeah that's so man now i will say 
real pe- I have one in my home. They are beautiful and they're getting to be, you know, not in many houses because keyboards came along. So don't think I'm bashing pianos, but man, they are a pain. They weigh like a ton, yeah. literally. Yeah, something. And I actually, uh, the reason I was there uh, and met Annie was I was attending extra courses there because the school mainly taught tuning and just basic repair. And I'm not the greatest tuner, I can admit that, Uh, but I'm a great mechanic, I'm a great repairman. And working on a piano is mostly uh, fine-tuned woodworking because the majority of a piano is made of wood, leather, or felt. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was right up my alley. And uh, so the uh, guy that did their major rebuilds, he took me under his wing he actually took one look at the table I built and immediately said, I want to teach you to rebuild. And, and that, that made me feel really good. So I was there over the summer and uh, uh, while, uh, like during that summer, I restrung my first piano. I put new hammers on the, the that same piano. And uh, so I, I, went in for one of my, you know, summer courses, and this was July, like, 6th, I think, of 2012, and uh, so the, the, Annie and I talked quite a bit while she was painting the piano, and she was the one that called me, because I'm kind of like George McFly when it comes to approaching the ladies, and always, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, uh, I, I, she called me one day and I'm sitting there with a couple of my friends and she asked me if I wanted to go out and do something. And I told her, I I'm busy at the moment. Let me call you back in just a minute. And I hang up the phone. And the real reason was I was busy trying to think of something to do because I was broke. Oh No, <laughs> no not a penny to my name at the moment. And, uh, but I, a, a friend of mine had rented some garden plots at our local community center and I had this patch of peas that I needed to harvest. And the way I do a patch of peas is different than usual. Like I don't do individual little trellises. I do a, a, a border of twine around it and then I weave twine across that uh, spot like a spider web. And it makes this like tangled hedge of peas. I had hundreds of pea pods that I needed to harvest. And I knew that she was into that kind of thing. So I called her back and said, hey, do you want to come and pick peas with me in my garden? And she was all about it. And uh, we had a, a, we were there and talked and sat in the dirt until sunset. And we got married in front of that same garden plot three years later. Oh, that is so sweet. Uh, I knew I loved Danny. Yeah. She. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I, I, it was a couple of years ago on uh, Valentine's, there was this new bakery and they, they had people submit their love story and the best, you know, love story would win. And Annie said, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> hold my peace. Yeah. We're going after it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I love that so much. That's amazing. Um, how, you know, Annie was going to join us. She wasn't feeling too hot, but I was curious how much, like when you start dating someone, you've never dated someone that's blind. I imagine there's a lot of things like you have to take into account that you might not would have thought about before. Like for example, reading Braille, it would never cross my mind that you may not be able to read it because of your calluses or especially someone that's newly blind. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like she pretty easily hopped into, um, Gosh, I don't even know how to word that. There were I guess. some growing pains for sure. I mean, because there are definitely yeah. some unique uh, aspects to being a, a, you know, mixed ability, so to speak. You know what I mean? With me being blind and, and her uh, uh, being sighted. And we, we both have physical disabilities also. Yeah. I've broken my back three different times. Um, and uh, Annie's got connective tissue disease which really uh, it affects her joints and all kinds of things and so we both kind of uh, she she's my eyes and I'm her her uh, legs and and lift you know I, I'm the pack mule I like to say yeah 
Yeah, I love it. Y'all will ju both just kind of fall apart together with age. You'll just kind of disintegrate into the pea patch. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. That's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to grow old with somebody. Your knees go out together. Your back goes out together, but you still got each other. One video I love, love, loved, um, and this was actually one of the messages we sent back and forth was Annie posted a picture. She bought a new dress and she wanted you to see it. And so she went out and she was showing you in the way that she did it was just so cool to me. So she just explained as you felt the fabric mm -hmm. and felt your way around she just explained everything really well yeah. and the videos that y'all share are super sweet and they're amazing but they also share a lot of awareness and a lot of things that um you know even for me i feel like i'm very sensitive to those topics but it's things that i wouldn't think about mm -hmm. and she posts things like you know um make sure that this has this or that has that or you explain things so that people that don't have their sight can follow along and be included as well so i love that she does that that's yeah. really neat to watch uh, we used to uh do uh we would call them disability awareness and etiquette uh presentations at elementary schools sometimes oh wow we would teach them how like you know, just because you see a blind person walking around doesn't mean they're lost. Don't just start shouting directions at them. That's, that's very distracting. That can actually end up getting someone hurt. Um, I, it, you know, just if you think they look like they're lost, ask if they need help. Um, don't just grab their arm and pull them along. Those are the people that I, I like to call them that they, they make you let them help you. <laughs> yeah. yeah man I, I ironically i spoke to a guy so he was in a wheelchair he was disabled as um as far as his legs down and one of his pet peeves was you know i go shopping and people immediately grab the handles of my wheelchair and he's like people don't understand those are my legs so that would be like me coming up to you completely able and just pulling you around he's like i i don't want you to touch my the handles of my weird wheelchair i'm okay and so he actually had them removed oh well there you yeah so yeah because when he went to the store he could go and he could do it he didn't want people to push him around mm -hmm. thinking he needed it because that made him um less able hey I, I have a, a short little story to tell you and you'll think this is just a story but i swear to you it's true <laughs> okay let's go okay so i there's a safe way that was on the bus line right uh, down from my apartment and i would go there and i would ask for help and they had this guy that worked there and his name was robbie and he's a really nice guy but the problem is robbie was deaf and i'm blind and they would have robbie help me shop and he didn't always work very well <laughs> and time and time and time again and and I'm a nice guy. So it's like, you know, most of the stuff I got was, was right. So whatever. And finally I was like, Hey, they, they call Robbie. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, he's deaf and I'm blind. It's usually doesn't work very well. And it was like that just occurred to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh my God. It, that has my eyes. It, it reminds me of Josh blue. He's a, 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 a he's one of my favorite comedians. He's got a MS no, he's or palsy. sorry, cerebral palsy. And uh, he, he talks about how, uh, like, you know, disabled people are the largest minority group that there is because we're just all grouped together. He's like, you know, deaf guy, get on board. Uh, blind guy, deaf guy, I'll help you get on board. And it's the only, it's the only uh, minority group that anybody can join either. You're just one bad bike right away. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible but amazing yeah. at the same time yeah um yeah ironically the next um I, I think it's the next one coming up the next podcast i have is what with the guy that i just met we become really good friends and he's got cerebral palsy mm -hmm. and i'm beyond excited to talk about that because he kind of has some of the same things as you like mm -hmm. uh I think humor is something that kind of helped him through yeah. and he's like, man, people are going to pick on me behind my back. So I might as well do it to their face. Yeah. You know, I know it's going to happen anyway. Um, so going back, when did you notice your story was starting to gain so much attention? Well, I mean, with really after I met Annie, like when she started getting me out there on social media and stuff and, 
and I had, I had always kind of thought about doing like motivational speaking or something like that, but, um, and, but Annie, like she, she, pardon me, she got me into the social media world. And, uh, for instance, uh, I needed to raise a bunch of money to get my tools for the piano work. And she did a, 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 a Kickstarter uh, that got me $16,000 to buy all my piano tools. She had, wow. because of her social media campaign for me, there's a, a couple of different local news stations that did uh, interviews. Um, it literally, the story literally went global. We saw a thing that it got picked up by a paper in Mumbai, India from the Huffington Post. What? Yeah, we even got donations from like Australia and Norway and the UK and yeah, like when uh, and that was that was way before all of this. Yeah, that was back in uh, 2013. And, wow. Yeah, and when I say she's a social media whiz, I mean she's a social media whiz. And yeah. uh, I, so the, for a couple of years, I rebuilt pianos, and that was the the reason I got out of it is. I loved learning about pianos, but the problem was like after you've learned all the ins and outs of a piano, every piano is the same 11,000 parts. And so it's just the same thing day in, day out. And, you know, it just never changed. And I, I'm an artist. I, I, I like things to be new. I like the, to, you know, create and change and that kind of thing and so for me it was just groundhog's day i could see that it would just suck the life out of me but at the same time i'd come up here and donated years of my life and and so much effort and time <clears throat> pardon me and so that was really hard to face <clears throat> pardon me and uh so I, I, my piano rebuilding business kind of tanked. I, I stopped doing that and sort of floated for a little while because I didn't know what I was going to do. And Annie bought me my uh, lathe I have now for my birthday on, uh, in 2016. And the lathe has always been my favorite, like right from the start. And I, I, I've been a woodworker now for... Uh, almost 17 years and it's right from the start it's always been my favorite and so I I got out there in the shop and she knew that that's where my real skills and my real you know passion was is woodworking and I I uh, started making bowls and up until then I had only done uh, it was called spindle turning so like what the kind of carving you would do to make a table leg or something like that and yeah. bowls are a bit different because of uh, the way that you have to position your various parts of the tools. And I had my finger somewhere it shouldn't have been. And I got stuck between the chisel and a part called the tool rest. And I ended up with 11 stitches and it took eight weeks to heal. Trail of blood like a wounded cowboy all the way to the back door. It was, oh, it was pretty bad. God. I learned a real valuable lesson. Don't put your finger there, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I imagine. Uh -huh. Yeah, but, uh, and, and it was kind of funny too. We have a friend that's a documentarian. And the day before that happened, he had been here filming me working. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, timing. yeah. And we still have that bowl, but. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's blood covered and in the yeah, back. But. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, uh, but after I healed up, um, uh, Annie's mom had asked me if I would make her a little jewelry dish. So I made her just a simple little jewelry dish and Annie put a picture of it on Facebook. And within about a day, there were probably 15 people that said, I want to buy one. And that's pretty much where my professional woodworking career started. Wow. Uh, that is amazing. Yeah. So, so after that, we started doing, because uh, Annie, her, she's also an artist. That she's a, a had been a photographer when I met. She's been a painter for uh, since she was a teenager. She's done fiber arts. She's really into sculpting now. 
and so it it just kind of and also she was really uh, heavily involved in the community around here and the uh, art is a really big part of this community it really like it's just the whole area is just steeped in art and artists and so cool i love it like really i don't think i'd be able would have been able to get a start doing what i do here in salt lake city because it's a completely different culture they they yeah. it's just it's just totally different it's really uh you know that's the only way to put it is it's it's such a different culture that there's really just not the kind of art scene there sure. um so we started doing like holiday fairs and and art festivals and stuff and and that was it it kind of it got us a, a slow rolling start and but it was really hard on annie because she was working a job and doing our social media and making art and then we had to do the art fairs and stuff and so we did that for a couple of years and in 2019 Annie, we, Annie decided we're going to take the jump and we're going to do artistry full time. We're, we're going for it. And it, it really, you know, that's a, that's a, a bold step to make. That's a bold move to make. But you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, going into business on your own for in any industry is tough, but being an artist, that's like stack on 10 more challenges and so we decided to to just go for it and something that really helped us was uh, we knew it was going to be a long road and we didn't let our goal blind us to the steps in between and and we didn't let our goal make those steps between a a a, a dominating force you know something that that discouraged us and I think also, uh, I was talking to my dad the other day uh, about this and, and Annie and I were talking and that we've never had like a specific end goal in mind. We just wanted to do this. You know, we don't have like, we're not like climbing to a particular peak or goal or whatever. We, we are where, you know, we're, we're doing what we want. And I think that also helped us a lot because it wasn't like we're focused on this one thing that if we don't achieve it, it's going to crush us. We just, we know where we want to be and who we want to be, I guess. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. As a musician. So I took that leap, mm -hmm. um, yeah. probably, God, I guess like 2020 or so around that time, of course, when musicians aren't even performing because of the global yeah. pandemic, yeah. But it's like I had this huge aha moment and it was exactly that. It was, I don't have a long-term goal. I'm not trying to be Adele or anything like that, but I have a talent. I have a passion for people and for music. And if I'm keeping that, I feel like that's incredibly selfish of me. And why not try it? You only live one time. And so I took the dive and it honestly, I don't know, you just have to live on faith and hope and mm -hmm. it's worked out somehow it's worked out and my biggest goal is just if I can pay my bills and continue to help people along the way then yeah. that's success to me yeah exactly um okay so I want to kind of go back to your self-care routine let's go back to young John did you ever reach out I know your parents were part of the healing process but has counseling ever been part of your process or medication or that might be a personal question but something I like to ask everybody about well um I I I didn't really reach out that was one of the big things is I didn't really ever reach out to you know my family or my friends really or anything and the other part of it too was uh that that uncomfortable stigma we were talking about earlier is that it's it's as uncomfortable to offer help as it is to ask for help because of the way that society views mental health and that's, sure. that's so damaging for so just in so many ways and so you know help wasn't asked for or offered really and and that it you know was 
it was a big mistake that I didn't reach out and and tell somebody how much I was, you know, how much I was hurting, how much I how deep it was. Um, and afterwards, I I definitely I had some counseling and stuff, and I uh, I I. I definitely took some some medications and I'm I'm divided on the subject. I really am not going to get into it, but I I kind of sure. I they have their place, but I think they're overused. That's all. Sure. Um I mean, I have a friend that had horrible PTSD and he was able to use some medication and therapy to to get past that, but once he got past it, he stopped taking it and he's he's good. You know, and that's sure. that's the way that I believe it should be used. But but I I I am no medical professional. I'm not a psychiatrist or anything like that, and I don't know anybody else's situation. I'm just mainly speaking for me, and you know, sure, yeah, because because I know for a fact that medication, like it probably saved his life. Like no kidding, it probably saved yeah. his life. So sure. I think I think most anybody would be, especially America today, that could be a whole other podcast, but we are over medicated because we're overstressed and have so much going on and people just throw medication at it instead of, you know, referring to counseling or something like that. And I think that's a worldwide, well, I'm going to say a nationwide problem yeah. that a lot of people know of. But yeah, for sure. I am incredibly impressed, though, that going through all of that you got some therapy, some counseling, but really you've overcome it yourself, really. And Annie, of course, she was important. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. It, 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 what? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so what does self-care look like? So I know you do your woodworking. I know, obviously, you guys like gardening, but let's say you've been woodworking for hours and hours and hours. What does self-care look like for John? Well, something that, something I have a hard time with. A, a is intrusive thoughts i'll yeah. i'll for so yeah I'll, the the way my mind works is i'll think of something and it'll relate to something else and i'll just go down this like daisy chain and sometimes it'll go to a, a place i really don't want to go to so i'll i'll tell myself stop okay stop right here and i'll go back in sequence link by link to see where it got started and then realize that okay that's 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 where it started that's where that's the road i need to get back to and go down and it really helps me because it shows me that it doesn't where i was going is a bad place that has no bearing on my life today and will have yeah. no bearing on my life in the future but it it's this little thing that just just pokes at me but i'm able to be able to get past it by doing that i love that that's awesome absolutely i'm kind of the same way i feel like creators your mind wanders a lot and that's part of a blessing of being a creator is your mind is built a little bit different than some people yeah. is the best way to word that but it also gets us in a little bit of trouble because of things like that yeah it's the the vividness of my imagination and my memory is a curse as much as it is a blessing yeah. but uh, but i you know it is such a blessing that I I'm able to work with the rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I've been able to kind of, I don't know, I guess come to terms with it, so to speak. Um, and just kind of, I don't know, I, I guess just manage it, you know, like remind myself that I'm, I'm here now. I'm not there then there's a, a, a Crosby stills and Nash, song that has a line don't let the past remind you of what you are not now love oh wow i love that that is awesome yeah. so and, and then it's it's very true people should really take that to heart because we all change all things change you know a uh, uh, times are bad right now i uh, i i'm gonna quote a, a tom hanks a uh, uh, tiktok video times are bad just wait Times are, are you, you think nothing's going to change. You, you, you're uh, depressed. Just wait. You're on top of the world. Everything's going your way. Just wait. All things change. You know, it, it, uh, yeah. it, it but that's also something that gets you through. It's like, 
you know, just like you said, if, if you're having a hard time, just wait. Things change. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. I love it. Um, okay, last question I got for you. Mm-hmm. So for people watching, what piece what piece of advice would you give them regarding, let's say, um, anything you've gone through? It can be regarding taking a leap of faith or regarding mental health. You you go for it. Whatever piece of advice you'd like to give. Well, I guess one of the big pieces I like to give is that, you know, the things will always change. And a, a metaphor I like to give, like to say, is uh, um, we're all sitting at the same table at this banquet of life. And we all bring a different dish to the table with its own unique spices and flavors. And everything, each individual person is worthwhile and just as valuable, you know, without, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it, Life would be boring without all of the spices of emotion and interaction and society and people. Absolutely. I agree. So if we had a big dinner where the whole world was invited, John would provide the bowls and the plates. (laughs) There you go. My takeaway. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to think about that. I wonder what food I would be. If my talent was a food. Gosh, I don't know. I'm from the South, so it might have to be something like delicious, like fried chicken. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I love that, though. I love it. John, I love your outlook. Annie, I'm going to need you to start me a Kickstarter uh, because apparently you're amazing at it just for my bills and life. He's a whiz, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I love it. I love it. I know I am blown away and just so, so intrigued and in love with y'all's story. So thank you for sharing it with us. You're very welcome. And thank you very much for having me on your show. It's been a blessing. I will let you know when the podcast goes live. And I hope y'all have a great evening. You too. Thank you. All right. We'll stay in touch. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at townsendtmusic for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone. If you're looking to buy or sell, I have the perfect realty company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. And they understand that buying or selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience. That's why their team of highly seasoned real estate professionals is dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized services for all their clients. They truly take great pride in the relationships they build, and they always work relentlessly on the client's behalf to help them achieve their perfect real estate goals. They always have the client in mind, and I can speak firsthand when I say how reliable, trustworthy, and quick they were. When I was looking to buy my first home, they were there with me every step of the way, answering every question I could think of. They showed me a great amount of knowledge and patience through the process. It's no wonder they've won so many awards for their outstanding services and their excellent relationships with clients. So if you're looking to buy or sell, there is no better option than Clark & Co Realty.